I said, I'm not dealing with them hippies. They ain't got no lights no more. I'm going to have a lit screen. <laughs> Y'all can turn all the lights off now. I can see. Last time I was here, I'm old. I can't see anything. But man, I can see it this morning. Uh, I saw some of you, disappointedly so. I don't want to talk about those in particular. But uh, some of you did have your team you're going to be cheering for today. Won't talk about that too much. But uh, I know you're going to be cheering and screaming <clears throat> later on today for the wilds of the devil. Or whoever you're cheering for, it don't matter. But if you can cheer loud later today, express your voice this morning. Because I can guarantee you that what we'll be excited about today is going to be way more important than what's going to happen this evening. Amen. Now, I do love sports, and I'm excited about the football game. I, my team lost. Just a second. We did win the most games we've ever won in my lifetime, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> That's right. Two. We did have two this year. We won two. It's a big deal for me. First time, and uh, I'm almost 50 years old. That's the first time we've ever won two in one year. So I'm pretty excited about winning two playoff games. Uh, before we get started, I want to ask you a question. I want you to ponder on this question. I want you to think about it. But I'm going to give you the remainder of the service to come up with the absolute best answer. Here's the question. What is the greatest thing, what is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you? What is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you? Now, many of you probably think you know the answer, and I hope you do. But I want you to hold on to it till the end. We're going to come back to it. Valentine's Day. We've already, and guys, she's right. She's let us know. You've had your three-day warning, so be prepared. Women, be prepared too. We like to get stuff too, okay? It ain't just about you stinking women. We like to get a little something something, okay? Just get us a card or Maybe a gift certificate to go play golf, something small, maybe a golf club, you know, new car, whatever, anything that'll be, that'll work for us. But Valentine's is that special time of year when we're supposed to try really, really hard to do what we should have been doing all year long. <laughs> and that's just plain and simple. You should have been doing this the whole time, but they're going to give you a day to really focus on it. And it's the day when our wives and our girlfriends test us just so we can show them how much we truly love them, right? It's a test to say, okay, how much do you love me? How hard have you been working? Let's see, prove it to me what you really did. Now, um, I'm, I'm excellent at gift giving, and I'm not being braggadocious. It's just how it is, okay? I'm really good at it. Uh, I pay attention, and, and I really like to give gifts, and it's something that I enjoy. Um, and the reason I'm so good is because my wife tells me exactly what she wants, and I go get it. That's just how it works, guys. And, and I, I'm good at it. She says, I want that, I go get that, and I've done it. That's good. But uh, we got to prove our love sometimes. And it's not because um, it's, it's not been proven. It's just we just want a reassurance. And there was a girl that uh, was dating a boy, and he was a long ways away, and, and she really wanted him to express his love and prove his love to her on Valentine's Day. And he wanted her, I'm sorry, she wanted him to get on an airplane. Now, he'd never been on an airplane before, and he really had no anticipation or excitement about getting on that airplane, but he wanted to prove how much he loved her. So, nervously, he bought his ticket, and he got on the airplane. Now, to his demise, this was a brand new airplane just put out by Lockheed. It was a TriStar, and it actually had three engines on it. 
Well, they were about halfway into his flight when their pilot's voice came over the intercom. This is your captain speaking. Calm as always, ladies and gentlemen. I feel I ought to let you know that one of our three engines has failed. A captain could do that, right? I want to let you know we're all going to die. Just wanted to be calm and cool and collective. <laughs> one of our three engines has failed. Now, he said, don't worry. There's no need for alarm. The plane is entirely airworthy on two engines, but I regret that we're going to be about an hour late to New York. No big deal. About an hour and a half later, inevitably with that desperate calm that is reserved for airplane pilots and astronauts in conditions of extreme emergency, the pilot of the TriStar spoke again. This is your captain speaking. I regret that we have lost the second of our three engines. But I would like to reassure you that we have every expectation of making it to a normal and safe landing at JFK Airport. We shall, however, be about three hours late in arriving. Well, because of this, he said, if anyone would like to take this time and turn your cell phone on and make some calls, we've lifted the restriction and you'll be able to do that. At this, this young man called his girlfriend and he said, my dear, I'm so sorry, I can't keep my promise. We have lost two of the three engines and we're going to be getting there three hours late. But that's not even the worst part. I'm afraid that if we lose this third engine, I'll be up here all night. He'd never flown before, so he didn't get it. But he wanted to prove his love. What is true love? The world has a way to describe it. The world has all kinds of things that they show what true love is. But what does God's word say true love is? Our scripture today is probably one of the best known scriptures in relation to love. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go ahead and turn there with me if you want to, or we're going to have it up here. Uh, if you don't mind, please stand while we read this. I just want to honor God's word as we read this. Someone once said... It's love that makes the world go round. And someone else said, I don't know if it's love that makes the world go round, but it sure makes the trip worthwhile. Let's read this uh, starting in verse 1. If I speak the tongue in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Women. Sorry. That slipped. That's just totally accident. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And verse 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, this morning, God, as I've studied your scriptures and as I've gone over this time and time again and and just even last night uh, adding some things and preparing, God, I pray that these are exactly what needs to be spoken this morning. God, if there's someone here who has never experienced true love, if they've never felt the true love of Jesus Christ, may that be today that they feel that. And God, those of us who have experienced love, but maybe it's been so long ago since we've accepted you, and it's been such a time since we felt that, God, may it be overabundant today, and may that spirit be rekindled so that our love will draw us back to you, God, and and that we will just feel uh, how much you care for us and know how valued we are. God, this morning, speak to uh, these, these amazing people that you've allowed me to come and present this message to, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Love. Boy, that's a description. That's not the world's description by any stretch, is it? <laughs> they, they, they would take out about 85% of that. But that's how the Bible describes love. Jesus talked about in the last days that there would abound such iniquity and such wickedness. In Matthew 24, 12, he said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. And we're seeing that today, aren't we? Love is going by the wayside. It's not love anymore, it's lust. It's not what can I do for other people, it's what can they do for me. Our love is keeping records of wrongs. Our love is doing so much damage to people that it's not love anymore. We are seeing lawlessness abound today. We're not even willing to pick up a stranger by the side of the road because we're afraid of what's going to happen to us. We're not willing to do for other people because we're afraid of how it will affect us. We don't know what's going to happen and we've lost our love. Well, this morning I want to talk about love And I want you to understand how love can excel. First, uh, love excels, number one, in speech. Verse one, it said, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It profits me nothing. If you are just speaking words, I love you, I love you, I love you, but yet you never show it in any of your actions, you're just a resounding gong. We want to say it, but we don't want to live it. The world has heard enough loveless sermons. The world has heard enough loveless lectures. We've talked to them and beat them and attacked them with all their wrongdoings. But what people really need to know is that Jesus loves you in spite of that. God's love abounds and supersedes all of that. Paul says if you could speak like an angel, what good would it be without love? It's not about being an eloquent speaker. It's not about all these uh, writing love letters and all these other things that make it sound so fluent. And, and maybe you're not very artic- articulate in how you speak. And, and, and you can't, but I can promise you this, guys. You don't have to tell your beloved how much you love them. If you'll show it to them, they'll know it. And the way that you show it to them is you be a man of God and you lead them through Jesus Christ. That's how you love. No woman will ever fall out of love of a man that's serving God. It can't happen because they are seeking that and they want that in their life and you're filling that void. I'm not going to get on to speaking in tongues because I know it touches on that here. And and, uh, and, and, and I just want to say this basically uh, to sum it all up. Plain and simple, if speaking in tongues glorifies the individual and not the father, it's wrong, period. I only got one amen. That concerns me just a little bit. (laughs) Maybe y'all have already fallen asleep. It is nice and cozy in there. But I want to say it again. Anything, not just speaking in tongues, but if if you hear and you see someone speaking in tongues and it's just glorifying that person, it's wrong. It's of the evil one and it's of the devil. But now if it's glorifying the Father, that's a completely different thing. Everything should only be about glorifying the Father. Paul was dealing with this church 
where there were many uh, beating their own chest and drawing attention to themselves because of their gifts. They wanted to speak in tongues or prophesy or do all these things so people could say, man, he really loves Jesus. Look at that guy. Look at that girl. Look at what they are doing. And that's not what gifts are for. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, healing, any of the gifts are not about you. And if you're going to do all these things just so you can say, look at me, you're doing it for the wrong purpose. And that's not a gift that God's given you. Paul says, if you can speak like an angel, but you don't have love in your speech, you're just a clanging symbol. You're just making noise. Speaking in tongues is not a sign that you are filled with God's love and grace. The sign of love and God's grace is learning to control that one tongue you got in your mouth. Some of us have trouble with that. I, I'm guilty. Uh, I've probably said a couple million things to hurt people's feelings. Uh, I'm, I'm just blunt and honest, and, and I have to apologize a lot, mostly to my wife. But, um, you know, we need to work on just that one tongue. Let's stop worrying about all the other tongues. Let's control this one that we have in our mouth. Love excels speech. Secondly, love excels prophecy. Verse 2, if the gift of prophecy can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if a faith that can move mountains, but you don't have love, you're nothing. Love is the core of even prophecy. Even someone who's gifted in the understanding and interpreting of scriptures and has the ability to explain all the mysteries of scripture, but doesn't have love, it's pointless. Many have the message of heaven on their tongues, but they have hell on their heart as they present it, and they're very judgmental towards others. And I'm sure you've come across these people. They think that they're presenting God's message by telling you how horrible you are and how wicked you are and how much horrible things are in your life, but yet they never understand the love that can redeem you. As Christians, we have a responsibility not to try and fix all the world's problems, but to let them get pointed to the one that can we want to tell people where they're wrong because it makes us feel good about ourselves. We want you to know how wicked you are so that I don't look so bad. But the truth of the matter is we ought to humble ourselves and just love on that person so they can see what they've been looking for is right there. Love excels prophecy. Love even excels knowledge. I'm very thankful for this, being not a very smart person. I'm thankful that love excels knowledge. Verse 2 says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. It doesn't matter how smart you are if you don't have love. Is this making sense? Love is important. Have you ever met someone that tries to impress you with their intellect? Oh, in their prayer, oh, dearest heavenly father of the Lord God almighty, as we studied back in Daniel, and they quote nine scriptures, and oh, their prayer is so big and so this and that. They just want you to know how smart they are. They're never pointing to God when they do that. They're looking, look at me. Look at what I know. Look how smart I am. <laughs> Uh, I, I, my, my daughter is extremely smart, uh, much smarter than I. And I had to tell her, I said, Samantha, <laughs> people don't want to know how smart you are. They just want you to know you'll be there for them. You don't have to tell them everything all the time. People don't want to be told they're wrong. People don't want to be corrected. They just want to be loved. And she's like, but dad, they're wrong. I'm like, that's okay. 
We don't have to convince everybody that they're wrong and, and what they're thinking is, even if they're cheering for the wrong team, you don't have to tell them. It's okay, even though I did this morning. I apologize, okay? It's okay. You don't have to tell them they're wrong. They need to know they're loved. Your intellect is nothing without love. Do you understand that? Love excels knowledge. Simply stated, a right heart with God is more important than a bright mind. A right heart with God is much more important than a bright mind. Paul's not attacking or saying we shouldn't appreciate our speech. He definitely isn't saying that prophecy or knowledge is wrong or even hurtful. He is simply saying, uh-oh, <laughs> there is a disadvantage to this. Paul is, he, okay, get back to, okay. Paul's saying that not it's hurtful or wrong. He is simply saying that those things without love don't have value. I didn't come up with this. I know you've all heard it before, but I'm going to say it anyway. And if you know it, you can say it with me. People don't care how much you know until what? They know how much you care. If you want to reach someone for Jesus Christ, and you want to tell them about your church, and you want to invite them here, and you want to get them here, and you want to tell let them know you love them first. Let them know that you love them unconditionally and with an abundance because of the love that was shown to you by him. And that'll draw people to this church. That's how you know that you have a successful church is because when you walk in, and, and I can tell you this without question, my wife and I have both stated this many times, this church has love. When you come in, you're welcomed because people care about each other and people love each other and they want to know what's going on in your life. Love excels so many things, we got to have love first. There was a little boy reading in the Bible, and he saw some pictures and some listings of angels, and he read there about the cherubims and the seraphims. And so he asked his dad, Dad, what's the difference between cherubim and seraphim? Could you imagine if your kid came and asked you that? Well, this dad said, well, uh, let me uh, look this up. <laughs> so he got some encyclopedias. This was a long time ago. Encyclopedias, you young people, those are books. And what they did was they put all that knowledge on Google in those books. And so you had to buy a new one every year because just like the Internet, it does get to be more and more knowledge. So come ask me. I can show you some pictures of books later if you all haven't seen them before. Uh, so he tried to look it up, and, and he wanted to see the difference between seraphim and cherubim. And he found that cherubim comes from the Hebrew word meaning knowledge. And seraphim comes from the Hebrew word that stood for flame. And then this explanation went on to say that it was a commonly believed or supposed that the cherubs were there, were the angels that excelled in knowledge, and the seraphim were the angels that exceed, excelled in love. The little boy thought about it, and he told his dad, he said, Dad, when I die, I want to be a seraphim, because I'd rather love God than know everything. Would you rather love God, or would you rather know everything? I'd rather love God. I'd rather love God so much that it pours out of me and people know it in such an abundance that people say, I don't know much, but I know they love the Lord. I don't know much about that person and why they do what they do, but I know they do it in love. Do people say that about you? Or do people say you're self-seeking? People think you're drawing attention to yourself. Or are you pointing to him? This morning, I want to challenge you. If you're not drawing attention to Jesus Christ and you're not lifting him up on a daily basis and people don't see love in you, you need to make a change. And today's the day to do it right now. Love excels speech. Love excels 
prophecy. Love excels knowledge, but love also excels your faith. And if I have a faith, verse 2, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Faith is wonderful, and it's even critical. Without faith, you cannot even be saved. But what Paul is saying is faith that can remove a mountain without the ability to remove malice is useless. What good is it to remove the mountain if you're not removing the hate that goes along with it? You can't have love and hate in the same room. One will oversee the other. You must have faith, but faith is nothing without love. Love excels faith. Love also, fifthly, excels charity. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. It doesn't do you any good to put your tithe back there and, and to give to all these things if you're not doing it in love. Begrudgingly, well, God wants his 10%. There you go, God. Hope you're happy. Keep it. <laughs> you may not realize this, but God don't need it. <laughs> I can promise you this. If not one single person in this church ever gave a dime and God wanted it to thrive, it still would because he owns it all. Amen. You're not giving so you can help him out. You're giving because it helps you out. You're giving so it teaches you how God can use you. And it lets you know that God is first. I'll even go as far as to say that if you're, and you're like, hey, this preacher can't come up here and preach about our money. Yes, I can, because you can't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting paid and you're waiting until you pay all your bills and then you're tithing, that's a sin. Still, that one person's amen. I'm glad you're here, ma'am. I don't know who else is. <laughs> That's a sin because what you're telling God is if there's enough left, I'll give it to you. If, if everything's taken care of and all my bills are ready to go and, and everything's set, you can have what's left. Shame on you. And I can tell you from experience that I've done that. I can also tell you from experience, I've gone the other direction and God has given in abundance. More than I deserve. Way more than I could ever have expected. And this is not intended to be a message about giving, but maybe somebody needs to hear it this morning that if you'll put God first, God, if God pays your bills with two cents in the bank, that's way more impressive than a million. <laughs> because he's the only one that's going to get glory. And trust me, I've been there where it's like, well, he paid it. I have no idea. <laughs> I've been there. But if, if we're paying it, we get the glory. Love excels charity. You may say, well, nobody's going to give without, without having love. That's where it comes from, right? You give because you have love. No, we see it all the time. Outward appearance does not always reflect the heart. There was a little boy. He was anxious. <clears throat> he wanted to get going. And he kept getting up and saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. His mother said, now just sit down, Johnny. We're not ready to go yet. Well, finally, the boy sat down and he said, well, I might be sitting on the outside, but I sure am standing on the inside. And sometimes the outward appearance is not what's in the heart. People can appear to be selfless, but they're actually just giving to see what they're going to get. People give for a number of reasons. One of them is probably your conscience. Oh, that feels better. The person on the side of the road, oh, I feel good now. I gave some money. 
I gave. Some people give their finances so they won't feel obligated to give of themselves. You can put on a false facade of love through giving, but God knows. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. If you are truly excelling in God's love, you're going to have to give because it's going to just pour out of you. I'm amazed at the opportunities that come up for us to serve, and you probably, I know your church is very faithful to serve, and you get out there and, and we've got this chance to serve here. Maybe we've got a chance to go abroad to another country. And, and people are very quick to say, how much is it going to cost for you guys to go? <laughs> Let me know. I'll write the check so that you can go. Just don't ask me. Love requires you to go. True love's not just giving. It's being willing to go. This morning, I want to challenge you. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go wherever God asks you to go? Are you willing to do anything that he asks you to do, even if it seems beneath you? Even if it seems way below your abilities? That's love. Love exceeds charity. Love also exceeds martyrdom. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body... To hardship, King James says, if I give it over to be burned, that I may boast, but I don't have love, you gain nothing. Love is more important than even being willing to sacrifice yourself in martyrdom and give your life. Paul says love supersedes that. You see, a man may not fear dying because he doesn't know what living is. There's people that are so filled with hate for them to die in order to kill somebody else would be an honor. They're so filled with hate that they'll die just so somebody else can die. And we saw that in World War II with the uh, suicide bombers. That wasn't love for their country. That wasn't love. They hated people so much that they were willing to die just to kill other people. Love exceeds that. So we see that love exceeds everything. Have you got it plain? You got it simple? Love excels. All these other things are great. But love is greater. <clears throat> it's necessary in order for any of those other things to have value. It's the core. It's the foundation. It's the purpose that drives all those things that we just talked about. Love excels them all. Well, guess what? Love also enables. Love enables. The things we ought to do, the things we want to do, the things we need to do, we can only do if we have love. Love is the source by which those things get done. We must have love. Love enables us, number one, to be patient. <laughs> I must not have much. In verse 4, love is patient. Um, I like King James. It says love is patient and it suffereth long. And I like this one because I'm the least patient person ever. And to me, patience is suffering, okay? So I like the suffering associated with patience. I'm willing to wait, but not very long. Eight, 12 seconds, whatever it takes. Uh, I hate when God reminds me about things and here I am. I mean, this just happened like a few minutes ago. <laughs> I was getting out of the car, coming in. It was a few minutes late. I know I was supposed to be here at 1015. I got here at 1018. It was my fault, not my wife's. Uh, I forgot. You're good. We get out of the car, we're walking in the door and I hit the lock button. <laughs> 
And on that car, when you hit the lock button, if there's a door open, it goes, beep. She hadn't shut her door yet. And I'm like, shut the door, beep. I'm going, beep. I wasn't even patient enough to give her 15 seconds to get herself out of the car so she could walk in. I am not patient. But that's probably because I don't have enough love to have the patience. I need more love in order to be patient. I'll work on that, honey. I'll let you get out of the car before I lock it. Love enables us to be patient. Secondly, love enables us to be kind. There was a woman uh, who had accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior, and, and she made a profession of faith. And afterwards, she was talking to the minister, and he said, I'm always interested to know what brings people to Christ. If there was anything in the sermon that particularly moved your heart towards Christ, I'd like to know what it is or what it was. And she said, to tell you the truth, I enjoyed your sermons, and I've enjoyed all of them very much. But it was not anything in particular that you said in the sermon. She said, it's what happened after the sermon. She said, I saw a woman come up to you and criticize you sharply and unfairly to your face. And she said, I wasn't a Christian at that time, and I just watched you because I wanted to see how you'd react. She said, when I saw the kindness that came out of your mouth, I knew that what you had was real. People are watching you every day. People are looking at your social media posts every day. Oh, preacher, why'd you have to go there? I thought that was anonymous with your name attached to it. I feel so bold when I type how much I hate our president online. I feel so brazen when I tell people how wicked they are and how much horrible stuff's going on in their lives and how dumb this is or how horrible that person is. It ain't just a couple of keystrokes. It's easy. <clears throat> if you're a believer, I promise you, people are watching you for two reasons. Either they're wanting to build a case against you so they realize why they don't need to make a change or they're desperately searching for peace. And they think, maybe you might have it because you claim to be a Christian. They know something's missing in their lives and they want to find it. And if we will show love in all circumstances, that gets noticed. And those people run to that. But in that situation where it's real easy to get on that bandwagon, but, but what they're saying is wrong. Remember what I said earlier? It's not about proving that they're wrong. It's about loving them in spite of their wrong. I, I don't think this will happen, but could you imagine at Judgment Day, you walk up there and Jesus has everybody that you knew come beside you, everybody that you ever come in contact with, and you get that one that comes up and says, huh, that's the one. So I've never met that person. You know, I was struggling in my life, and I, I was thinking about going to church, and I wanted to accept Christ as my Savior, but that post you made told me that I didn't need to be there. Now I'm eternally going to hell because of your post. I wouldn't want to deal with that. What we say and the kindness we show or lack thereof matters. And I think the problem is we've lost the understanding of true love. 
What if God looked at you and said, that's not enough. I'm not going to show you my love. Look at the mistakes in your life. I'm not going to show you my love. People are watching you. They may talk about it more when we aren't kind, but they definitely notice when we are. It's a big deal when we're not kind. Everybody's going to talk about it. And nobody may ever say a word when you show kindness, but they're paying attention. Love enables kindness. Thirdly, love enables us to be humble. Verse 4, it says, it does not boast, it is not proud. Pride and love cannot dwell in the same place. You, can't be, you can either be big-headed or you can be big-hearted. You can't be both. You can't talk to everybody about how great I am and look what I can do and all these other things and still show love. It just doesn't work. I'm fixing to give you the secret, and uh, this is a big deal. Some of you all might want to write this down. I'm going to tell you how to remove arguments from your life. <laughs> Some of you all got a pen. I can't see you. I guarantee you somebody's going, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> it's from the Bible, so that should tell you it's going to be true. In order to remove arguments from your life, some of you may not believe this, but this is what the Bible says. What causes all arguments? There's many things. No, just one. In Proverbs 13.10, it says, Pride is what brings contention. It specifically says it's ego against ego. Pride brings contention. You want to remove the arguments out of your life? You want to get rid of the struggles and you want to get rid of all that bickering and arguing and everything? Get rid of your pride. Because an argument is simply my ego of what I think is right versus your ego what you think is right. And so if your ego goes away, the argument goes away. Love enables us to be humble. Jonathan Edwards said this, nothing sets a man so much out of the devil's reach as humility. Do you want to make it harder for Satan not to bother you and, and mess with you then, and, and bring conflict in your life? Then become more humble. Let love allow you to become more humble. Fourthly, love enables us to be courteous. Yay. Verse 5, it does not dishonor others. Love does not dishonor others. Have you ever watched a newlywed couple? That new puppy dog love. Oh, boo-boo, you know it ain't your fault. It's me. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, my honey doesn't do nothing wrong. Oh, they're so perfect. It's gross. <laughs> but it's because they have so much love, it allows them to be courteous. No, no, let me take the trash out. Oh, can I cut your toenails? <laughs> they can't help it. They're courteous because they're so filled with love. Could you imagine a body of believers that were so filled with love that the community said, that's the most courteous church I've ever seen. They'll do anything for you. Now, a couple that's been married for 20 years. Well, let's just move on. Uh, <laughs> love enables us to be courteous. Fifthly, love enables us to be unselfish. Verse 5 says it's not self-seeking. Someone once said, when you teach people their rights, you'll have a revolution. But when you teach people their responsibilities, you will have a revival. 
This is the time that you're allowed to answer. Do you want revival in this church? That's scary. Can y'all hear me? You sure? Let me try. Say it again? Okay. I'm going to be humble and courteous and give you one more shot. Hey, I can see you now. So I'll see who's not answering. No, I'm just kidding. Do you guys want revival in this church? Yes, sir. Amen. If you don't, it won't come. <laughs> I think the reason a lot of times we don't have revivals is because we're not willing to fulfill our responsibilities. We're not willing to be unselfish. We're not willing to take the time out to do what's necessary in order to get people in here to see God move. And most of the time, it needs to start with us. We need to put the work in our own life so that we can fix those things so we can have revival in our church. If you truly want revival, you need to understand what true love is and what the responsibilities are involved. Have you ever experienced true love? It's time for you to know your responsibility. It's the command that God gave you, and it was already mentioned earlier this morning. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what did Jesus say? The second is what? Like unto it. And it is to... Love your neighbor as yourself. So how can we show true love? How can we experience this true love? Do you remember the question I asked you this morning, the very first thing I asked? What is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you? I don't want you to answer because you're going to be wrong. <laughs> I mean, Selena might have heard this before, but I was wrong, and, and, and I'm not saying I'm smarter than you, but I've been going to church a long time. What's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? Most Christians would say, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and that's not it. That's not the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. That's the greatest thing that you've ever decided to do and that God has allowed to work through you. You know what the greatest thing that has ever happened to you? Is that someone loved you enough to tell you about Jesus Christ so that you could be saved. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Someone loved you so much that they said, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to suffer for eternity. I want you to understand that you need Jesus in your life and I'm going to tell you about the plan of salvation. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Do you love somebody enough to share that with them? Here's a more poignant question. Have you loved anybody this week enough to show them that? Are we loving people like the scripture tells us to love them? Are we telling people about Jesus Christ and how they can get to heaven? I'm going to ask our musicians to come up. If you're not loving people like Jesus did, and if you're not loving people like 1 Corinthians 13, and you're not telling people about Jesus, then your sorry tale needs to be at this altar. Who does this guy think he is? <laughs> I'm somebody, remember, you can't fire. <laughs> Listen, if we're not willing to tell people about Jesus, we got to shake something up. Everybody stand up. I'll make it easier for you to come forward if you need to. Now, 
Y'all might be on fire. Y'all might be burning it up. And I don't know because I'm not with you every day. And praise God if you are. Praise God if you told 30 people about Jesus this week. Praise God if you've told every single person in your life about the love of Jesus. Praise God if there's nobody in your family that is is lost and dying and going to hell and you've told them about it. Praise God that you're telling everybody. But are you? Can you stand where you're standing right now and say, I'm doing everything I can do for Jesus Christ. I'm loving people and telling them about them. And I've got all that stuff figured out, Nathan, so don't even worry about it. This message was for somebody else. Well, I can tell you right now, this message might have just been for me. I've already told you some of the things I screwed up. I need to love more. I can probably tell you that without uncertainty, I led probably... uh, 15, I don't know. I I led several people to Christ last year. It was an amazing year. God used me in so many ways, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because it's not all of them. Jesus didn't say that all hundred were okay. If the one leaves, I'm just going to deal on the 99. He went after the one. And what we're doing is we're just focusing on the 99. Look how many we got. We're doing good. What about the ones that aren't here this morning? I have children that aren't in church this morning. So I know I need to love them even more. Do you have somebody that's not here this morning that you didn't do enough to get them here? You didn't ask them enough times? You didn't show them love? You were such an ego person that you didn't let them know how much that they were loved first? We need to be active, church. You are my church because you are brothers and sisters with me serving the Lord. So you are my church just as much as any other church. And we need to do more. We're going to sing a song. It won't be long. But I I want you, if you need, this altar has no, this is wood. It was made by people. I saw the pictures back there. But you know what it does? It tells Satan that I love my God and these people so much that I'm going to go in front of all these people. I'm going to let my pride go away. And I'm going to have, when Satan says that wasn't real, I'll have 45, 75 witnesses to say, yes, it was. That's what the altar's for.